0: Of why, uh, but we as Christians we understand that, and uh, it's all the more reason for us to to get in the Word and, and and to speak to people to bring them to the knowledge of God so they can have that same knowledge. But uh, you know the curse has been established from the sin of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve it entered the, through the world into the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. God cursed man and woman. And creation itself, you know, it wasn't just Adam and Eve, it was creation itself was cursed. So, what was created perfect was now going to be decaying and be corrupted until the time of redemption and restoration. So, think about that. You know, when sin and that imperfection and all these things come in and that curse was laid upon, the very makeup of our human DNA is now imperfect. Now think about that. You know, think about that your DNA and the seed and the stuff that passes through through creation, even that was corrupted to where it's not perfect anymore. There's gonna be imperfections. There's all these different things. Uh, that's why we have so many diseases, mental illnesses. And I'm gonna lose that word very loosely because a lot of things that identifications and things is a mental illness. I don't care what you say, that's just my take on it. Those things stem from that curse, those imperfections. On the same token, deformations, all things wrong with mankind physically, stems from sin and that curse entering the world. You know, and we look at it as uh, some things is from our personal sin that can cause things like that. You know, we know that. We know if you smoke crack while you're pregnant, guess what? Your baby's gonna have imperfections. A very high possibility. You know, so there's, there's all kind of, you know, personal things that can happen that causes those things. So we can't just always blame it on the, well, the, the, the curse, the original curse. No, it's not. A lot of it can be personal. But the same token, you know, Jesus made it clear that it ain't always just that. You know, when the disciples asked him about the blind man, he made it plain, you know, that neither the parents or him, you know, sin for him to be blind. So there's two different kinds, but it all comes back, to that of some sort. Same with all the natural disasters we see happening all the time around the world. Even the earth itself is corrupted and unstable until it receives that same redemption and restoration. And I heard a thing also is you know, when original creation, you would know, have hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all these crazy things. So that itself was because of that curse that came in. And I heard an interesting take on that, this before. Uh, I can't remember the the preacher that I was watching at the time. But he said, you know, when Jesus made the statement, he said, if you don't cry out, you know, the, the, even the rocks will cry out. He said, look at that. He said, to me, he said, could it be that when we have earthquakes, that's the earth crying out. When we have hurricanes and all these different things, that's the winds crying out. That's all these things of creation crying out since we ain't. So let that be motivate us not saying if we cry out that that stuff ain't going to happen because we do live in that fallen world. But it's a good thing. It's something to think about. But these things are out of our control and we experience just by living in a fallen world. Then there are things we bring upon ourselves, like I talked about, when we break God's law and bring upon ourselves the curse from uh, breaking God's law and punishment from God is imminent. So when we break God's law, punishment is imminent. Imminent let me back up just for a second. I skipped over this. You know, the age ages is a, a way to look at that original um, curse coming in because, you know, time used to live to, you know, push over 900 years, you know, back with Adam and all these things. Then you come down all the way to Moses, you know, life is established to last 120 years. So that perfect creation was supposed to last, and all these things come in to deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate on down to that. So when we break God's law, punishment from God is imminent. But that's not the end of the story. Amen. Amen. Yeah. In steps Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, got, you got the curses and all the bad stuff, but then Jesus comes in. The perfect Adam. The Son of God came with the purpose to redeem us from this curse and become the curse for us. So that we put our faith into him. And his redemptive work, we are set free from that curse of the law. So think about this for a minute. We're going to go back to Genesis 3. We'll read verses 17 through 19. I'm getting about to the point where I'm going to have to bring my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> then to Adam he said, Because you have indeed you had heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now look at Jesus. So we're going to compare the gardens. You know, Adam and Eve was in the garden, messed up, sin entered in, the curse was given, they were kicked out of the garden, right? So then we have Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, praying before his time to go to be crucified for us, to redeem us for all the things that I just talked about. So he's now in the garden, you know, two different gardens, but just... Follow with me. So now Jesus is in this garden, and we read about the sweating and all the different things in here. What did he do in the Garden of Gethsemane because of his anguish and his toil and the work that he was doing? paralleling this. What did he do? He was sweating, would not he? To the point of even sweating blood. His precious blood sweated in the Garden of Gethsemane, working for you and me because of what we didn't do and all these different things, preparing himself for the work that he came here to do, which is to go die on a cross and be crucified for us. So then fast forward a little bit, the garden of Golgotha, right? I think I pronounced that right. So here he is here. Think about the thorns and the thistles. It was part of the curse. What does Jesus have on his head in the garden of Golgotha before he's crucified? Crown of thorns. So those same thorns brought to the curse. Jesus takes it on himself upon his head, and now he here he is fulfilling everything and becoming full circle back to the garden from where we were kicked out and all this thing. So it started in the garden and it's ended in the garden by the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Out of the dust and returning, you know, Jesus in the flesh, he gave up his life in that. So to me, that's parallel in those three verses of all the things, the sweat, the work, the, all the, from the de- dust you came and you return his body did those things, fulfilled it. But That wasn't the end of it, was it? So everything started in the garden, everything ended in the garden. When Jesus uttered the words, it is finished. So I just want us to to reminisce on that this coming week. And don't take lightly what was done for you. Don't you really think about that story that I just laid out for you. That was done for you. An innocent man came and died the most excruciating death and took the full wrath of God. Think about that. Imagine taking on the full wrath of God, what that would be like. All in your place, my place. He took our punishment and what was due to us because of our rebellion and took it all upon himself so that we may be free, so that we may be restored back to right relationship with our Father in heaven. That is what should motivate us to to live right and to abstain from sin and to love others and share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they may come to know of this redemptive work that is available to all who call on the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Believe in him and make them Lord of their lives. Amen.
1: That's why we're here. It's all about Jesus, right? So That's why we're here. It's why we come and meet and join together. And so, good to see you all this morning again. I know it's has been said, but, you know, it's happy that you made the decision again today to come back and join us in church and uh, be here. And one, one spirit, that's why we meet, one spirit and one accord. We're going to talk about so that some more this morning. But um, it's good to see everybody. A couple other things that wasn't in the bulletin um, on the back wall. By where Pat standing, there's a bulletin board up there, and it's got some t-shirts on there for the Vacation Bible School we're going to have in June. If you're working or just want one or a child that wants one, they're $10 a piece. Um and we'd like to have that money in by April 30th, the last Sunday of this month, for that, that way we can be sure to get these ordered. Because, you know, we're going through a company that this thing's being produced through or whatever, and... I don't know how many shirts they're going to have. So we don't want to run out of time and order them the first of June and they not have sizes. So, so, uh, remember that, um, I know the national day of prayer was mentioned in the bulletin, but that is a very important day. It's at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. at the town hall. And, and so, you know, it would be great if we could meet and join together and have a, have a big crowd. I mean, there's, I know we've set up inside the town hall. We've, Gather around out in the parking lot, whatever we have to do. And, um, you know, there's there's nothing better than to pray for this nation. And we need to pray for it. You know, I'm sure we don't like what the government's doing. We don't like this or that. And we gripe and complain about it all the time. You know, we'll say, I didn't vote for him. It ain't my fault. Well, just because you didn't vote for him doesn't mean you don't pray for him. Now, and we quit the griping. If you're griping about somebody and complaining, that means you're not really praying for them. So let that sink in for a minute. God didn't create Republican and Democrats. He created Christians. He created a body of Christ. Okay? And so when we get it right, then the world can see how we're truly supposed to act and love each other and pray for others as we need to. So it's hard for us to do. I know it. Especially in the South. Because there's some, a lot of Republicans now and there's still those old Southern Democrats that, that you, I don't see why they can't see what I'm seeing. Well, they're saying the same thing about you. So we're not here to get political, but we need to pray for our nation. Pray for this community. So, all right. Um, Everyone that wants to help in in the Vacation Bible School, that would be June 14th, 21st, and 28th, three Wednesday nights like we did it last year, from 6 to 8 p.m. If you want to help, if you want to work, then we're going to meet next Sunday right after church in that back room, the bigger room back there in the back, right after church next Sunday, and we'll discuss some things um, because there's plenty for everybody that wants to help to do, I promise. It doesn't have to be three or four doing it, me teaching every lesson, whatever. There's plenty for people to do. And, you know, I say this a lot. Y'all are wonderful about working. Y'all are wonderful about pitching in and helping. We appreciate that. Just like this Saturday coming up, it's going to be a busy day, you know, with the fish fry and everything that goes along with that. It'll be a lot to do. We ordered enough fish for 250 plates. Now, we sold probably 175, 180 tickets. So we're believing for that many more to come in. 250 plates of fish. Plates is going to be a lot to do in three hours' time. I mean, we're going to be busy. So, um, if you want, we're going to have we're going to make cakes, sheet cakes. So there'll be, I think, yellow cake with chocolate icing. Am I saying this right? And then what is the other one? Is it strawberry or chocolate cake with with chocolate icing? So, any men, women, whatever. If you want to make it's just a sheet cake, and we say that, it's so a 13 by 9 pan, whatever. We'll cut them up into squares. we got the go boxes. Get with Keisha Holloway over there, if not today, by Wednesday, and let her know how many you're going to make so she'll know what, what to expect. So um, we need that. All right. What else am I missing? I think that's I it. Gabby, did I get everything? Okay. I do want to start out with a praise report because y'all got quiet, all right? So I don't want y'all to get quiet and comfortable on me right now. But a praise report, Brother Thomas Stovall, or Stover, excuse me, I don't know why. I know a guy named Stovall. You spit the I'm sorry. Thomas Stover, we prayed for him the past couple weeks because of a scan he was going to have of a spot on his lungs. Well, last week they found out that was clear and there's nothing there. And all the glory and honor and praise goes to God. God still works and heals, and and does things. And Miss Jewel, she had a a thing, a, a procedure, and she's cancer free too, right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So God still works, people. Don't don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on believing in God and standing firm and strong on His Word. And what and what He says will come to pass when we do, what the Word of God says. Right. So that's that's where we got to be. Amen. All right. Well, let's let's receive our offering. Amen. Y'all ready for that? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Couple of prayer requests as as we get ready to um, receive our offering. We're going to pray for Miss Pat told me that her son in law Shannon Woodall fell about ten feet or so, and whatever he was on fell on and crushed his foot, and is in a lot of pain and supposed to have surgery this week. But we want to be praying for Shannon Woodall this morning. Um, Elizabeth Fowler's not here this morning. She's had some teeth, mouth hurting issues. She can't hardly sleep, so we want to remember in her in prayer. If you've ever had a tooth, I'm sure it's more than just one toothache. It's it's a lot in there that that's hurting in her. And so, um, and then I, I found out we want to pray for Sharon. You happened to break a rib this week, and I know that's not easy to get over either. There's there's no kind of real fix for that, so we'll be praying for you this morning, as as we pray. Um, so we will pray and receive our offering. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. right. Dale Shears is his name. A lot of you may know him. Know Tony, Tony Marsh's dad. Um, so remember him in prayer this morning as we pray. All right. Heavenly Father, we love him. We praise him. We thank you for this wonderful atmosphere and spirit that's here this morning, Father. We just we connect in with that, and and as we come together, we. We just uh, join our hearts and lives together in one spirit and one accord this morning to receive what you have for us, to receive the word that's going to come forth. Thank you for what's come forth already, Father. God, it, it goes out and, and people's lives are changed forever from what goes on here today because we made a point to be here we made a point that we're going to listen and we're going to learn the word of God today and we're going to go out and live the word of God each and every day. God, we just bring these needs to you right now. We pray for Shannon Woodall, God, that you touch him with this broke foot and and different things going on, God. Ease the pain this morning, God, that they can get this fixed quickly and, and he can have quick recovery from this and get back to his normal way of life. And we thank you for that. And we pray for Elizabeth Fowler. She's at home this morning dealing with this pain in her mouth and head. And Father, we just thank You. Your healing hands on her right now where she's at. That You touch her and You move on her life. Move on her body. Bring that health and healing to her where this pain goes away. And we thank You for that good report we're going to hear. And we pray for Sharon Barber. God, that You touch her this morning. God, be with her with this hurt rib and and the pain that goes along with that. God, that You just heal that and mend that quickly. Father, we thank You for that. Pray for Dale Shears this morning. God, that was involved in that wreck yesterday. God, that you touch him where he's at. You bring, you bring feeling back to every joint and every part of his body. God, that he can become back whole from that and no problems whatsoever. We thank you, God, that your word's true and real. God, you you still heal, you still save, you still deliver. We thank you for the praise report we've heard this past week from Thomas and Jewel. God, that you just, we know it's real and working in people's lives. And we thank you for that. More evidence of it. God, your spirit's not quit. And we thank Thank you, God, that we just have a wonderful time here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm still standing on the only rock I know, right? If you hadn't heard that song, Toby Mack and Jack Williams. And Cornerstone's the name of it. It's a really good song. Um, children, go to Children's Church. All of them sitting there on the edge of your seat. And I hope and pray that you adults are sitting on the edge of your seat anticipating the Word of God today is what you need to be doing. Amen. Come on. I heard one amen. Everybody, I'm just sitting here. I'm comfortable. It wasn't. I didn't even hear it from the back back here. It was up front. It was up close. There you go. Toby Matt's got another song I've always loved. It said, You got me on the edge of my seat. And, and that's what kind of what we're going to talk about this morning is, um, and the title of the sermon is what now? What now? And I guess a subtitle that, that just went along with it as I was studying this week was learning how to wait. Because if we, if we look, and, and we go back to, we celebrated Easter last Sunday, right? We celebrated the our, our Savior rising again on that third day, and, and just as He promised He would do, and fulfilling the laws of the, and the prophecies that was told. he done all that. And so we know that from that, He met with His disciples, and, and was with them for about 40 days, and, and then He ascended into heaven. And so when He ascended into heaven, He said, now y'all go and wait. Y'all go and wait. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 is where that's found. He says, And being assembled together with them, that's Jesus with His disciples and all the rest of them that was there, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which He said, You have heard from Me. And it says, For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So not many days from now, so we ain't got that verse up there, but he said, you go and you wait. And there's, there's a couple ways we can look at saying, what now? I'm sure at that point, they were like, well, what now, Jesus? What in the world? We've seen all this. We've seen you raised from the dead. We've seen, now we just watched you ascend into heaven and you're telling us to go wait some more. So we gotta wait. We gotta wait. And waiting is something that us is, humans, especially in our culture and our time does not like to do. We say it a lot. We live in a microwave world. We want things then, now, we don't want to wait on it. You know, Tanner likes Velveeta shells and cheese. But it's to be in the little bowl that you put in the microwave. If you cook it on the stove, it's like, no, I don't want that. Like, well it's the same thing. Like, no it's not. But if you cook it on the stove, we all know it's gonna take at least fifteen minutes for it to uh for it to be done. When you pop it in the microwave for three and a half minutes and it's done. And he can go ahead and eat. But we don't like to wait. And just as children, just as those, the ones that was going back to children's church, I'm sure we're sitting there waiting like, would these adults hurry up so I can go back here to children's church, get my snack and my drink and do something fun for a little bit. I'm sure because we all we was all there at one point to where... You know, we wanted something else when we're children waiting on Christmas. You can remember as you as a child and you thought, well, Christmas will never get here. December 25th will never come. And Tanner, he I'll, I'll talk about him a couple of times. You'll say, well, I will see you in a couple of days. He's, and now he started saying, well, that's forever. That's an eternity. That's an eternity. And that's how children's mind work because they can't grasp the concept of time which is kind of a good thing because God doesn't work on our time. And and so, you know, but we they learn eventually time and what what that means, but it still feels like a long time away. But Jesus didn't tell them how long they was going to have to wait. He told them to go and wait. Now, a lot of times when we're waiting on something, we're not really Anticipating anything. If we're waiting on something to cook in the oven, we know if we set a 30 minute timer, it's gonna be done. So we can go sit down and watch TV, we can go look on our phone, we can go do whatever, because we know in that time it's gonna be done. So wait is not this waiting that we're talking about, learning how to wait. It's, is an active thing. If we look at the, the word wait in the dictionary as a verb, It means to stay in a place of expectation. So Jesus told them not to go wait in the upper room, lay around, sleep, get up, wonder what's going on. Why is this, God? Why is that? No, he told them to go wait expecting something. Wait expecting something. And 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 people, we've been in our, we've heard this morning. We all have problems and circumstances, and problems and difficulties in our life, and we ask God, "What now?" Because that's where we are, where we get to that point, and then something else happens, and we're like, "Well, what now?" I guess they come in threes. We've all heard that big things come in threes that happen in our life, and and then that's our attitude. By the end of this sermon, we got to get to the point. And and when we walk out of here, instead of what now, bad can happen in my life, we're saying what now, expecting God, hey, what do you want me to do right now? What's next? That we need to go from that what now, and to the what now where we're expecting from God, and wanting we'll to go from God, for God. So that's where we need to be. And so just as these disciples, up in this upper room, And they were told, if we read over in in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. So, same chapter, verse 12. And they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. So they was all there. And we know here in a little bit, there was about 120 of them that got gathered there. But they didn't again, didn't wait questioning God. They didn't wait just sitting around. Because it said they continued in one accord with what? Prayer and supplication. So it's no different than us coming here to church and the body of Christ as a whole. I, I talked, I went to a memorial service, and I've told some of y'all about it. That a good friend of mine, his son, 22 years old, passed away in Germany a couple weeks ago. I haven't heard why, I don't know. But they had a memorial service for him yesterday. His body is still not home from Germany. It'll be home Friday. And and so, you know, went up there and watching them go through that, I'm sure, these past couple weeks. And they're, they're strong in their faith. But he told me yesterday when I went up to him, he said, this sucks. He said, I'll just be honest, this sucks. I said, I couldn't imagine. He said, I don't want you to know how it feels because that means you would have had to went through it. He said, I don't want nobody to go through this. But we've all lost loved ones, and it's not fun. There's nothing fun about losing somebody. But talking with him in this and then talking, I talked to a, a youth minister that's at a, a local church here, and another guy that was a pastor that spoke. And the pastor's not even preaching now because he's, you know, he's he's in a point to where he's he's seeking God for what God's will is for his life. But, you know. Talking to this youth pastor, he said, man, this has been the hardest year of my life because of all the stuff that the committee of the church wants to do and this and that and the board. And I got to tell both of them, I said, look, we don't have a board. We don't have a committee. And I said, there's nothing in the Bible that says that we got to have one or we're supposed to. That a committee tells a pastor what to do and what to preach and how to talk and what to say. That There's nothing biblical about that at all. I believe we need to have order. And like I told them, I said, we have people in place when we go to do things and spend money on things, we talk to them. I said, but this is the problem with the body of Christ. We want to bring people into the church and then they come in and see all the workings of it and they're like, what in the world is this about? So we're not in one accord and in one spirit. Why? Because the church itself as a body of Christ does not spend time in prayer and supplication before God. And so, just as these, if, if, these hundred, if these disciples had went to that upper room and, and wondered what was going on and started bickering and arguing and doing all this other stuff as we would do and started arguing amongst themselves because these are the same ones that argued all the time about who was the greatest. Who was this? Who was that? Uh, I've I got to have a title. I need to have this. I need to have that. We should do this. We should do this. And all these other opinions come about. Why? Because it's what they want. And they didn't worry about what God wants. Then the Holy Spirit would not have met them as soon as they did. Because from what I could tell, they were in that room for about ten days before the Holy Spirit rushed in like a mighty rushing wind. But it would have been a lot longer had they not been in prayer and supplication. Why can't the body of Christ as a whole come together? Prayer and supplication. Prayer. And, and, and a yearning and a longing for us to be one body and one church as He's commanded us to be. We don't want, we say we want it, that's all good, but then we start talking about numbers. Well, we had, last week we had over 100. It's great. Where are they all at today? I don't know. I pray for them also. I pray that they watch this. That's why we put this out there on video. That's why we put it on podcasts where so people can listen to it it's no it shouldn't replace this but i still prayed for them this morning just as i prayed for i prayed for them to come in this doors this morning and fill these seats that they would they would come expecting and wanting to receive this morning wanting to understand the word of god more why because i want to understand the word of god more and if we don't take time to study and know it then we're not going to know what to do and what to say and the body of christ can't grow and we want to bring people in from the world in here but what have we got to show them if we're arguing and strife and all this other kind of stuff that's going on. I get asked all the time, and not all the time, I've asked some. You know, there's we meet, we have sing Singspiration. You know, we're going to have it here the fifth Sunday. And that's great. Several churches will meet together and not worry about denomination. And we know there's one church in town that will not meet with us. Why? Oh, they say, oh, it's because they're going to play music. No, because most of us, as the body of Christ, don't reach out to them either. And they call themselves the Church of Christ. And I'm not speaking ill toward them this morning at all. But other churches, me included, and I've got some friends that go to a Church of Christ, and I joke with them all the time about stuff. But if I can't be the same with them as I am with y'all, then I've got some work to do myself. If I, if I And I've been in churches like this and visited them where they talked about other denominations Badly because they wasn't Baptist, they wasn't Methodist, they were non-denominational, they're Pentecostal, or the, all this and that and the other, and all that's just man's made tradition and law that doesn't matter. Even non-denominational is a man-made thing. And so, if we're truly going to be the body of Christ, and we're truly going to come and wait in expectation, then we've truly got to get in prayer and in supplication with God and learn from Him. Because guess who knows Guess who knows the Bible? The devil. So there's people that's in seminary. I heard this the other day and I thought it was good. There's people in seminary that know the Bible cover to cover and yet fall to sin every day. Because there's one thing to know the Word of God and there's another to be in relationship with the one who inspired the Word of God. Right? So we can know it, but we got to let it sink in and truly know Him that wrote this just as Jesus did and can quote that back when those things come up in our life. When, they can, when circumstances and trials and problems come up, we can quote the Word of God back. We can do those things and say the things that we need to. And instead of lashing out in anger and different things, we can go to the Word of God and quote that. So so the, uh, stay in a place of expectation. That's what wait means. Wait. When we, You know, as we got older, we went from waiting on Christmas and then we couldn't wait as we got older to, to drive. I know there's some... Young teenagers, over you can't wait till you drive, can you? You want to? You don't want to drive? Okay, all right. I know I couldn't. I was fourteen, driving around thoughtful by myself sometimes, over to Grants at Jack and Jack McKegg's house over there, and I thought I was just some big stuff. Then I couldn't wait till I got fifteen and got my permit. Then sixteen, I used to bug Daddy when I had my permit, just let me drive a little bit. And He's like, No, you can't do it. And, and so it's different today. Y'all can't drive around thoughtful when you're 14. One, could you y'all look like you're 12 and they won't let you. My generation looked a little older, acted a little older at 14 than some of y'all. But, so, you know, we, we can't wait till we get 16. Well, then, then we, we can't wait until we're a certain age. I remember when I was, I think the legal line buying age was 18 or 19, when I could get tobacco legally. Oh, I thought that was just a big thing. I can buy it legal. I used to go to a store where Dollar General was at and get it when I was 16 from a couple of people that go to church here now. <laughs> they didn't care. I saw Pastor Carroll's kid. I sold him some tobacco today. They didn't care. I didn't turn them in either. So we think that's cool. I mean, that's our mindset. And then what's the next one? Oh, 21. I can buy alcohol legally. We can't wait. Can't wait to grow up and try things. We can't wait to do these kind of things. And then once we get out in the real world, we're like, what was I thinking? And we try to tell our children and grandchildren, hey, slow down. (laughs) Yeah, I don't wish I was 16. I mean, well... I wouldn't have a lot of the aches and pains I do now, but but might need to answer that. I heard this from the past. He said, that might be God calling. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we can't wait to do these things. We couldn't wait to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend and start that relationship, which was one of our... Worst issues in life because we didn't wait on God to bring us somebody, and we tried to do it ourselves, and now we deal with past thoughts and past rejections and past things. And anyway, I'm not preaching on that. It's just we couldn't wait to do these things, we, and 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 now credit card companies and banks and lenders love adults now, because in a world where we can't wait to do something, they're like, yeah, come on, we'll give you whatever you want, whatever you want. I'm giving of that one myself. I grew up, couldn't wait, and still can't wait a lot of times. And and so I, I struggle with the not waiting, not wanting to wait. I don't want to wait to knock this wall out and, and build. But I know that $150 a square foot is not a good time to build anything right now. But I know God can supply that if He said it's time to do it. But, you know, we got to think logically. We want to do these things now and have these things now. Just as they wanted God to move in their life then in that upper room, but they had to wait. Wait in expectation. So we still wait in expectation and pray for the stuff the funds to come in and God to move to, to add on here to buy that property over there and God to move on people's hearts and lives waiting with expectation. And and that's where we gotta be in our life and, and, and get to the point to where we can say, What now, God, what next? What next can we go into? What can we do next? Because if we stay still, we're going to get stagnant. And then we'll go back to the complaining part of what now? So we're so spoiled and lazy today. So they were there for ten, at least 10 days is what I read in that upper room. I could imagine now if I said, hey, we're going to have a 10-day prayer meeting. Every one of you thoughts would go to, well, the kids has got a game tomorrow night. I may have to work late. I've got this going on and this going on and this going on. And I'm not talking about a 10 day revival meeting. Okay. I'm not talking about bringing somebody in and have a revival. I said, if I called a 10 day prayer meeting, we'd all start thinking about what we had going on the rest of the, the next 10 days after today. And that's normal. Why? Because we got a life to live. So today, but they were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. And 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 if I promise if God leads that way and we have that, I'm going to be here every night whether you are or not. Why? Because that's what's God directed to do. And as the leader of this assembly, as the pastor, if I'm not here, then how am I showing how to lead? Right? And I didn't say we're starting that next week. I said if we said that, if so we we start thinking of all these other things that we'd have to do, and have to, and things we'd have to. We're like, well, that's that sounds good. It's good in church this morning. i to preach? You know, I, boy, we could do that, man. Yeah, and we'd probably be filled. You know, have a good crowd the first couple of days. Maybe by Wednesday, because most people come back on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. It's date night. We we got to do something else. But I promise if we've done that and that happened and you were determined to come expecting every night to re- to give back to God and pray and, and earnestly seek His face as He's called us to do, then by Friday you wouldn't care about any other thing but meeting with others and, and, and praying together and being one in one accord in one spirit as God's called us to be. It wouldn't matter. But it's what we want to do. It's got to be in our own time instead of God's time. Gotta be in our own way and plan instead of what, what we think should, should be whatever. It should be easy for us. But that's not God's way. If it was, then he wouldn't have sent Jesus. He'd have found an easier way to do it, wouldn't he? If it was, he wouldn't like JJ talked about, poured his wrath all over Jesus for us to be free for something that we couldn't get out of. So it's not easy. If we truly want God to move in our life, and our homes and our personal life has got to start there. If we truly want God to move there, and, our own, and, and in this church and in your family, then you've got to stay in expectation of what He can do in your life when you seek His face. So at some point, like I said, we've got to go from now what, God, or what now, to now what? Now what, God? What What is it now? David, in Psalms chapter 40, in verse 1, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. Waited patiently. An earnest expectation of what God can do in his life. And we know David was a man of many flaws. David had problems from, from one day to the next. His family had problems. All these But he said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. And so he didn't only just hear our cry and hear your cry today. He's not just hearing it. He's doing something about it. He said, because he brought me up out of a horrible pit, a place out of miry clay where I couldn't see nothing but darkness above me. He said, I brought you out. That's just a symbol of how He brought darkness, where we was at in darkness in this world, going to hell into light, into Him. When sin comes into light, guess what? It can't be sin anymore. It can't stay there. The problem is, we don't want our sin to come to the light a lot of times because we'd expose ourselves. We'd expose our problems. Guess what? That's where we've got to be. We hold on to stuff so long. We ain't doing nothing about it. We're laying down, can't sleep at night, and toss and turn and wonder why things ain't getting better. Well, you're not bringing your problems into the light where God can take care of them. Come on. I mean, it's true, and I deal with it myself. He said, and set my feet on a rock. That rock, that Jesus is our rock. Our fortress. And establish my steps. So when he, when, when David said, hey, he brought me up, he heard my cry. Well, guess what he did for him then? What does the rest of that verse say? He said, he has put a new song in my mouth. A new song. A new way of talking, a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of living my life every day, living it through him to the fullest of him and waiting and knowing that he can work in my life. Why? Because his word is true. That's why. He said, He put a new song in my my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. So guess what? When you are different in your life, when you make a stand in your life and bring everything to the foot of the cross and not just some of it, and you decide, I'm going to lay my life down right now, whatever I want, just as Jesus did in that garden when He said, not my will, but yours be done. He said, lay it all down at His feet. Bring it right there and leave it there. Bring everything into the light to where we can be transparent before other people. And they say, well, you're flawed. Yes, I'm flawed, but I'm forgiven and I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Through Jesus, I'm perfect. You may see flawed. You may see that. But guess what? Jesus sees me as a righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And when you make a stand and determine that that's the way you're going to live every day and are transparent in your own life and start with you and quit trying to fix everybody else where you fix yourself because you can't do that, then others will see it and become they will fear God and their lives will be changed because of you. But it's got to start with you. It's got to start with you laying everything down. And how hard, easy, whatever it may be or may seem, you've got to do it. If Jesus can do it for us, for something we couldn't pay or owe or, you know, just whatever that free gift of salvation, then that should, that should motivate us to do for Him even more. More than just on Sundays. More than just for an hour on Wednesday. Every day of the week. I promise I'll hear at least twice tomorrow. And I'll say, hey, how you doing? Oh, it's Monday. It's Monday, and guess the the people that I hear that from. And I better not hear anybody I know it's a church, because I will I'll, I'll say something to them. And I do they say things to the people that I know didn't go to church yesterday. I say, well, you're living, you're breathing. You know, you got to see another sunrise this morning. Yeah, but don't don't you be one tomorrow to go to work and say that. Oh, it's Monday. It's Monday. I don't know. But guess what? God made just today, Monday, just like he made today. He made all of them so we can enjoy all of them, because as as the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We can do that today. We can do it Monday through Saturday also. So live that way. Let people see a difference, a difference in you than what they see out in the world. So what are we to do? How what when we're waiting on God, what what does it look like? Well it's got to start with prayer just as the disciples did. I'm not talking about begging God for things. Snot I mean if you snot and cry and whatever, that that's great, but don't stay in that wallowing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all this and me bless his holy name, right? That's how we go to God in prayer. Blessing him, because if without him we'd have nothing anyway. So, James chapter 5 and verse 16. This last part of this verse where I want to get to, it says, Confess your trespass your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So confess your faults to another person. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The effectual, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person, man, woman, boy, child, child of God, avails much. That's where we got to start. Praying, knowing, standing on that every day, whether it changes or not. Why? Because that's faith. So we gotta stand there and we gotta pray. Tomorrow it don't look any better, we gotta pray again. We gotta pray later that day because things something happened. We gotta pray and just stay in that attitude of prayer all the time. Just like I said earlier, not only read the word, know the word, and know the one that inspired the word. That gave man the, the authority to write these things down. That's God Himself, right? He, he inspired all of this. In Psalms chapter 1. Because when we do this, we're going to be just like in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1 says. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But where is his delight? His delight's in the law or the word of the Lord. His delight is in Him. And in His law does He what? He meditates day and night. Meditates day and night. So you when you meditate on the word of God, and I'm not talking about getting in a, you know, an Indian style and doing this. Um, I'm not talking about that kind of meditating. I'm talking about reading something. Reading, reading whatever. Reading a Scripture in the Word of God. And it speaks to you that day. And you meditate on it all, all through that day. Say, God, how can I apply this to my life? How can I do this? Show me more about what you what you had for me to read today. What I read in your Word. And and then we meditate on those things day and night. Then what's it going to be? You're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that, is fruit, that it bring forth fruit in its season whose leaves shall not wither. And whatever you do shall prosper. Why? Because you're meditating on the Word of God. You're constantly in that, in that prayerful attitude, wanting to pray, wanting to be closer with God and know Him and His Word. How do we get there? We've got to remove everything else out of our life. That's part of that bringing it and laying it down at Jesus' feet. Sure, you say, well, i done it when I say, why did you pick things back up? Why did you drag some of that back with you? Get it all into the light. And let God take care of it, remove it as He needs to, as He wants to. We seek God in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. Jesus telling them about worrying. Verse 31 of Matthew 6 says, Therefore, do not worry, say, say, we're going to talk more about our tongue and what words are we say here in just a second. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things that the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows, He knows you. He knows you. So don't ever use the term where God knows my heart, because He does, okay? If you really think that, then you can use that, but remember what you're saying. God really does know your heart. And He does know you. So... For your Heavenly Father knows the things that you need, that you need all of these things, but what? To get all, all of these things that we want and need in our life, okay? All these things we need in our life. There's something we gotta do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We like the last part because we're seeking God, but if we don't, we're not gonna get this first part of this verse until we seek God like the last part says. Until we seek Him in spirit and in truth and learn to trust in Him fully. Then we stand on the Word every day, no matter what, through faith. We stand on the Word of God. Firmly, just as David said, he set my feet on a rock. And I know the Word of God is real in my life. I know it's true. Why? Because we've seen it work each and every day. We've seen it work through problems. We've seen it work through trials. And you could all, we could all go around this room and you could testify to something God has done for you in your life. In Ephesians chapter 6, we know that's in verse starting in verse 10 and it starts with the armor of God and how we should put these things on. We go to verse 13. Ephesians six thirteen. Most people would know it by heart. Therefore, take unto the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. This day is evil. We need the armor of God to stand in this day. Why? Because it's evil and getting evil and more evil every day. I just, I just saw a thing pop up on my phone before church of a uh, shooting that took place in Davil, you know, just right out of Montgomery. That's not that far from here. Mass shooting. I think four people were killed. That's not that far. Why? Because evil is all around. It's evil day. The the young person that killed two people in Newmarket. Newmarket's even closer. This past week, evil, evil. Why? Because Satan come in and and and. Just conflicted their minds and warped their thinking that this is what they done, and they let it happen. Why? Because we, as the body of Christ, do not stand in the evil day as we need to. We're not standing in our own lives as we need to. We're not standing in our family as we need to, and 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 we're not standing out in out in out in the world as we need to. But he said, "Having done all to stand." We think we've done everything we need to do to stand and can do to stand, and we want to sit down and not worry about it anymore. But he said, stand therefore. Stand therefore. And I picture that in my mind. I have all this armor on, the Word of God in this spiritual armor, and I'm standing ready just like waiting patiently. Just like waiting in expectation of. I'm standing in a ready position, ready to fight. Ready to go forward, ready to go through or over whatever obstacles in my way, and that's how we gotta stand. That's the picture of it in our life physically. We're physically ready to stand. Why? Because we're girded with all these things that can take care of us. We're girded with all those things. He says, stand therefore having your waist with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having these things on to where those darts of Satan can't get to us. Those things in this world can't get to us and through us. Why? Because the Word of God is true and powerful, and we're standing on the promises of Him and knowing that He's going to take care of us. But we can't get to where James one six eight says we got. To, we can't speak doubt. We can't speak those things in our life. Just as Jesus said, "Don't worry." Saying, saying, this tongue gets in the world of trouble a lot of times. James chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Let him ask in faith without doubting. No doubting. No doubting. It's hard to get there in our life without doubting. There's always a sliver that wants to creep in whenever we're praying. Why? Because if we're praying for somebody, we still see their acts of rebellion, of, of deceit, of lying... Of their lifestyle. And we're praying, God, hey, move on their life. And then we see that and those little slivers of doubt come in that, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to change. Or if we're praying for whatever it is in our life, Satan's going to make sure that we're not going to see fully what God has without throwing some, trying to put some doubt in. Just as we could pray for, for this land over here. I'll just use this as an example. We're praying for this land and this house. Believe in God for it. But then doubt can come in and say, she ain't going to do that. They ain't going to do that. What am I doing? I'm speaking doubt and canceling out what I just prayed. Why? Why? Because that's human nature and we fall into that. But we've got to get past that and, and, and get here. For your doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man say or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So we can't doubt. Then James chapter 3. If we can get this, if we can get this thing worked out in our life, this, this tongue right here, if we can get this worked out, then this doubting as much and speaking would slow down. Arguments in our home would slow down. Arguments with our children would slow down. Why? Because we're controlling our tongue. Controlling this, one of the smallest members in our body. And, and we, it gets us in so much trouble because stuff just spews out a lot of times. I get, I get in trouble a lot. Trust me. You just have to say one more thing. I know. Why? Because I don't control my tongue. I'm learning to control my tongue. I think this is an everyday work in progress that you work on from the day you start talking until the day you leave this world or can't talk no more. Sometimes it would be good for us, you know, for God to shut our mouths up sometimes. So in James chapter 3 and verse 2, For we all stumble with many things. James is real about that. Even James, a disciple of Jesus that was in this upper room, he said we all stumble with many things. All of us. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. I know Psalms thirty-seven thirty-seven says that Mark is a perfect man. But I'm really not. Look it up in the King James Version. I know some of you have heard that, but it's there. He said, "...Able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits and mouths of horses and horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look it also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things." See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it, it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature as it is set on fire by hail. So this tongue can set a course in your life. What you speak, what you say, your attitude about it can set things into motion that you didn't want to get there. Can, can make situations and problems worse in your life when you didn't want them there. You say, how did we get here? It all started with something. Most, most of times it started with something we said. You say, what did I do? Well, you didn't do anything. You said something. So to get past this in our life, to help us with this, we ask God every day. We go back all, all of this can go back to prayer. God help me control my tongue. And then when things come up, and we want to just say something right then, and we feel that that urge, that touch of the Holy Spirit, say, shut up. Just shut up for a minute. And then stay in that. Walk away if you have to. And don't speak those things. And ask God to move in the situation. See if it don't get better. You say, well, I've done that for the past year. Well, guess what? You're still in another room waiting. Expecting expecting just because they waited 10 days don't mean that's 10 days for you. It could be 10 years. And we don't want to think that long in advance, but it could be. But if we ever get out of that place where we're waiting and, and that expectation of what God can do, then we've let a doubt and unbelief come in and we've just washed everything away. And then we've got to get, try to get back into that place to where we don't doubt. And we don't doubt the Word of God. And we don't doubt what He can do. So we've got to get from what now, God, what else can go wrong, over to what now? What would you have me do? Let's go through something else. Why? Because I know God's by my side. He's saying, you want to go through bad things? No, I don't want to. But I know who's with me every step of the way. I know who's with me when those things go bad in my life. I know who's with my, with my friend and his family right now through the loss of that son. I know who's with them. Why? Because he told me yesterday, he said, I know God's with me. I know God's grace and mercy is on me. He said, I'll probably go home tonight and cry like a little baby again. I said, brother, I would too. There's nothing wrong with you. You mourn. But he knows that his son's in heaven. And he knows he's going to see him again. We're going to miss him just like we do when we miss people on this earth, when people in our lives leave. But we know that if they were right with God and we're going to see him in heaven, that's a promise to us to live each and every day. Proclaiming His name and showing, as we sung this morning, the goodness of God in our life. And we got to get to that point. What now, God? To what now? What now? And learn how to wait through the process. Learn how to wait through these things in our life. Amen. Amen. Y'all got this this morning. Hope I explained it good enough to where you can understand the Word of God can work in your life when you let it work in your life. And you speak the word of God. And you live the word of God every day. Y'all stand this morning. I don't know all of his hearts. God does. It's like I said, God knows your heart. He knows your life. He knows your secret places you're trying to hide. He knows the open places you need to fix. But they can only be fixed through Him. Somebody bow their heads this morning. Ask God to move in your life. Work in your life. If you're here this morning, and Jesus is not Lord of your life, then the only way you can go from asking God what now, and and wanting to know when these things will change, until what now? I'm laying everything down at your feet. Let's go, God, as to know that He's Lord of your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to do something just a little different. I'm not calling you down to the front. I'm not saying that you're not you're not you're joining the body of Christ this morning. But if you're here this morning and Jesus is not Lord of your life and you know it and you need to change, then just lift your hand this morning. We want to pray. If you're here and in Jesus is Lord of your life but you've walked away. You said, "You said, I, I know I'm not where I need to be, and I need to change. I need to lay these things down and to bring my sin to light. Then raise your hand. We want to pray with you this morning. Well, amen. Go ahead and as the music plays...